When I watched that video earlier this week, and actually watched it last week, I thought of so many of you when I watched that. I thought of some of the own disappointments that we have suffered through the years, and I've heard from so many already, and talking about what painful memories this brings up. And oftentimes when I think about Thanksgiving and the Christmas holidays, those seem to make those memories a little more painful to all of us. But when I read the Psalms, David seems to take his pain, his loss, he takes the death of those that he loved and he cared for that no words could ever express adequately his love for, and he takes all of that disappointment, all of that hurt, and all of that sorrow, and he makes his complaint to the Lord. He's very honest about the pain and the grief. He's very honest even about his anger that he feels about the circumstances in life that he's facing. But then he always takes and begins to turn that sorrow, that pain, and that disappointment. He turns it into praise, and he turns it into worship, and he turns it into thanksgiving. And then he begins to write about the healing and the recovery that he experiences. In my life and in ministry through the years, I've seen people suffer incredible loss. And because of that loss, they've turned it into a ministry that has benefited so many others. They hurt, they sorrowed, and yet, whether it's from the pain of divorce, whether it was the pain of death, whether it was the pain of financial loss, whether it was the pain of a child abandoning them, they've turned that loss and they've turned that pain into a ministry to help others come through the very dark valley that they went through. And by the way, no one knows how long the valley of the shadow of death is. Whatever the death of your dream might be or the death of a loved one, no one knows how long that valley is, but we know what David knew is that the Lord is our shepherd and he is always with us. He will go through that dark time with us. I've seen people take their tragedies, unexplainable things that have happened, and turn them into testimonies and stories of God's faithfulness. And people just absolutely marvel at how they experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. Personally, I can tell you that I, those sense of inadequacies and ineptness that I not only felt, but so many people were happy to tell me how inadequate I was, how ill-prepared I was, why I shouldn't be doing what I was doing. I've been able to take those and turn that not into a personal success story, but turn that into a, a confidence in the Lord that God's got this and that through Him and by Him and by His Word, all things are really possible. And those are the kinds of stories that I've witnessed in others and stories that I've also lived in my life. I, I shared with you a, a little French proverb by Jean Baptiste Massou last week or last Sunday where he said that thanksgiving is the memory of the heart. And I'm going to come back, right back to Psalms 100, because there was so much that I couldn't prepare to share in just one sermon. But as I've thought about the memories of my heart, I've thought about the memories of lives, of people that I've known, that I've done ministry with, that I've pastored. I've thought about the people that have gone on to heaven 
I felt about my own family, my marriage to Becky and our children, my friends, our relatives. I thought about the life that we've been able to live because of the goodness and the grace of God. I know where I came from. I know what I've been through. And I know that to God belongs all the glory for all that's been accomplished. Thanksgiving for me is a memory of life that triumphs over death. It's a memory of of coming to feel loved and accepted for who I am. Thanksgiving for me has become, and I don't know any better way to put this, and I hope that this doesn't sound too trite, or it does, I hope it just carries the point. I hate to throw away old blue jeans, because old blue jeans are the most comfortable clothes that I own. And every once in a while, my wife and Amy will throw away my really, really good clothes. But a thankful heart is like a pair of old blue jeans, because the more you wear them, the softer they become. Am I right? But the more you wear them, they also get faded with life. They get gray hair, or they get the denim begins to fade out, and they get really faded, but a thankful heart is, is kind of like that. It's softer as you get older. It's more pliable as you get older. But blue jeans were made not for dress-up. You know, I, I, I know, and I'm going against the grain here. I'm showing my age, but when I think of blue jeans, I think of sturdy material that you were meant to wear and work in the yard or work in the garden and get them dirty. Dirt doesn't hurt blue jeans. But now if I wear a pair of dress, dress slacks, I would never work in the garden with those. And a thankful heart is like that. A thankful heart gets involved in the dirt of life, and it gets softer because it's made to be durable, and it gets better and better as it's worn. So I want you to stand with me tonight with that idea of a pair of blue jeans in your mind, and let's look at Psalms 100. And I told you this on Sunday morning, but I thought I'd just put it in our scripture reading tonight. It's the only psalm in the Bible that's listed as a psalm of thanksgiving. So let's read it together. A psalm of thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Father, I love you tonight, and I ask you to help me to speak clearly and concisely but persuasively tonight about, Lord, what it means to have a truly soft and thankful heart. For it's in Christ's name I pray. And everyone said... Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. I have a heart so full of gratitude tonight, just having family here with us to celebrate. My neighbors being able to walk over and thank them for the kind of people that they are. I feel a little bit sometimes like Piglet. I don't know if you've ever read Winnie the Pooh, but I didn't read that until I was an adult. As a matter of fact, we didn't get to see the movie Winnie the Pooh growing up because in my household, my growing up home, you couldn't go to movies. And so when I finally got a chance to read Winnie the Pooh, I did, and I fell in love with the whole story. And then not too long ago, Becky and I watched a, 
a movie about the life of the author of Winnie the Pooh and how all of that came about. Came about. But sometimes I don't really feel like I have as big a heart as I'd like to have. Sometimes I don't feel like I have as great a heart as I'd like to have. I watch a movie like Braveheart, and I, I go, Lord, give me a bigger heart. Give me a braver heart. Give me a more grateful heart. But I can identify with Piglet, for this is the words that Milner wrote about him. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. Are there any of you like that in here? You're with me tonight? You've got a heart full of gratitude. And as we come into this holiday, there may be hurt, there may be pain, there may be disappointments, or you may be experiencing some great personal success right now, but our hearts are full of gratitude. And like anything in life, I have learned that a heart not only physically can be exercised and become stronger, but a heart an emotional heart, a spiritual heart, a grateful heart can be exercised. And so I want to give you some habits of thanksgiving that I think will make you a more grateful person and help you to grow in gratitude. I can say thanks by the words I say. As a man, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, I'm always looking for the right word to say. I write a lot of things. I find myself spending more and more of my time now as I'm getting older doing more writing and even turning down some speaking opportunities because writing has become so important to me. I've tried to learn how to take negative things and express them in a positive way. I've had tried to learn to see that when God gives us a thou shalt not, there is a positive reason for thou shalt not. Thou shalt not lie because there's nothing greater and more sacred than truth, and you're trusted when you tell the truth. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It means if you want a happy life, have a happy wife. It means love your wife, love your children, and when you come home, you can look your wife and you can look your children in the eyes with love and affection and not with shame or feel like you need to hide anything. I found the best way to start the day is by giving words of thanks to the Lord. And when I journal, taking and and journaling things about my wife and others that I'm thankful and grateful for, I found that if I don't do that, negative words have a way of creeping into my vocabulary even when I don't mean them to. And what I mean by that is occasionally there are these empty spaces in my life that if I'm not careful to fill my heart with gratitude, it then begins to collect rubbish. Somebody's not treating me right. Somebody's not recognizing me the way they should. Or somebody is not doing this or doing that. And I find negative words of complaint. I can find fault with people. I can find with everybody else but myself when this void is created in my life. And the only cure for that is to have a heart like Piglet had in Winnie the Pooh. It may be a small heart, but it's a heart that's filled with gratitude. The Apostle Paul, he addressed this in the book of Ephesians when he told us that our speech should not be the critical negative speech of the world. Instead, he said in Ephesians chapter 4, talking to, and this is in the context of our speech, let there be thankfulness to God. Remember, we read this from another translation, the message translation, not too long ago, where it said, thankfulness is our dialect. It's what we believe in. I have already begun Thanksgiving. I have begun eating. 
I have ate too much. I actually didn't sleep very well last night because I ate so much. I finally put a pillow behind my head and set up in the bed to be able to sleep well. I know that's just wrong, but that's the way it was. And so next week, I can tell you, I will be doing high-intensity exercises because I have to pay for my sins because I'm not going to stop until Thanksgiving is over. There's ball games to watch. There's junk food to eat. There are two of the greatest things in the world that are going to take place on Thanksgiving Day, and that is we're going to roast a turkey. We're going to have dressing, and to top it off, we're going to have sweet potato pie. Somebody say, come on, victory. I mean, that's exciting to me. So I know I'm not going to back off, but next week I'm going to be exercising. And here's one of the exercises I would encourage you to do if you want a heart full of gratitude. Look at Philippians 2, 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Now that, my friends, that's a challenge for all of us. What am I supposed to do? Everything. Let's say it together. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I want us to do a little exercise right now. For the first time in your lives, I'm going to ask you to take out your cell phones tonight. If you have one, you're going to need them during this message. I want you to take a picture of that verse or any verse you want to on your sermon outline tonight. And just take a picture of that verse and post it sometime tomorrow. Or you can post it tonight after church. And just give a reason for why you're thankful. And if you know the person beside you, after you take a picture of that verse, and only if you know the person beside you, because it would be creepy if you did, and I want you to take a picture of them. And then I want you to give some reasons why you're thankful for this person and send it to them later. Here's a wife taking a picture of her husband right now. You know, send it to them later with the reasons. But listen, if you're going to give, have a heart full of thanks, be specific. Tell them why you're thankful for them. Be sensitive. In other words, tell them in the right way. And sometimes, now listen, I'm just being honest. Look at me right here. Look at me right here. I'm making another confession. Sometimes I have to search for a reason for why I'm grateful. Sometimes I have to think about who I'm texting or what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, especially if I'm going to come up with five positive things I'd like to say about this person. Because you see, in the assemblies of God, for those of you that know our church background, we're great appreciators. I can't tell you how many people have come along and told me they appreciate me. I can't tell you how many people have told me they love me and then never called, never showed up. But when you are specific, you're filling that void in your heart that doesn't allow you to feel good for saying, Barbara, I appreciate you. And then you just walk away. But you say, and I don't have to think long and hard about Barbara, but then you think of five specific things you want to say about that person. The second way that I can practice a good habit of thanksgiving is the way I sing. The way I sing, I have never been asked to join a choir. I've never been asked to join a singing group. I did join one group because I was their drummer and traveled with them for two years, and I had a good time, but they never asked me to sing. I don't know why. Yesterday, I sang with a 95-year-old man from our congregation who's homebound now, and we took communion together, and, 
And, and he was just so thankful as I opened up our little cup for him and gave him the bread and gave him the juice. And so after we had celebrated communion together, I asked him, I said, let you and I sing together. And suddenly that weak, trembly voice broke out in joyful praise as we sang Amazing Grace. And we sang another old song in you, He's Coming Soon, and his eyes began to glisten with joy. I'm telling you, that is one of the highlights of my year, and you have no idea how much I enjoyed just writing about that. But I listened, because I recorded it. It's terrible. But the Lord liked it, and I like it. You can't listen to it, but it was beautiful because in that moment we sang together. Psalms 30 and verse 4 says, sing your hearts out to God. Thank Him to His face. We thank God to His face when we lift up the name of His Son, Jesus. We lift up one another when we're singing together. In this place, suddenly it feels safe to sing. It might not be safe for me to sing up here with a microphone, but it is definitely safe for me to sing out there with you. A friend of mine that I went to college with is a missionary in Vanuatu, and he sent me a, a video of their church in Vanuatu as they were having their Thanksgiving service this weekend. And they were singing songs, honey, from the 80s and the early eight, late 80s and early 90s that we used to sing. And my heart was just overflowing with gratitude. And I sent Gary text messages just telling him how much I enjoyed it, how grateful I was to watch as these islanders were weaving and dancing back and forth, singing these songs of praise. They lifted me up. You see, worship pleases God when we lift up the name of Jesus. It's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't speak about himself. He speaks about Christ. It can be a little bit uncomfortable if you're not used to singing in public. Once the mayor of our city was visiting our church, and he asked us, he says, why are people so happy when they sing here? It's like they've been drinking. And I said, well, they're full of spirits, but it's not the spirit you're thinking about. They're full of the Holy Spirit, and they're singing for joy to the Lord. So let's sing. Let that be an exercise. Now, if your family is like mine, they have asked me politely, and that's a bit of an exaggeration, to not sing in the morning. But that's my favorite time of the day to sing. And so I sing quietly in the mornings. The third habit that I want to develop, and I want you to develop, is the gifts that I give. To give them with a full heart. A heart full of gratitude. My, my heart and my wallet may be small, but like Piglet, if my heart is full of gratitude, then my gifts are good to the Lord. You know, Paul, one time he says, see that you excel in this grace of giving. And so Jesus, he did the same thing that I was telling you I do just a few moments ago. Sometimes I have to search for why I do or what I'm going to, how I'm going to say thanks or why I want to say something positive about someone. It just doesn't come 
automatically sometime, but the apostle, I mean, Jesus was standing in the temple, and he was looking at what everybody gave. And there was a woman, perhaps with a small heart, full of gratitude, and a very small wallet, but when she walked down and she put her two widow's mites into the offering plate, Jesus said this small-hearted, small-wallet woman had given more than all the rich people that had been dropping bags of money there. When Paul says excel, he wants us to become like this woman who's willing to give everything to Jesus. Our life, our time, our talent, our treasure, our testimony, or our story. But when I read that word excel, and you, this is going back a number of years ago, you may remember this. If you're going to excel at something, you're going to have to practice the talent we enjoyed on the stage tonight is we were led in worship. These folks have spent years honing their practices and talenting. Talents, Becky sits down at her piano oftentimes at home and just goes through these exercises. They're not songs, but they're exercises with her fingers and playing the notes and the rhythm. And as she's done, she's become more and more proficient through the years. It's like exercising your body. The more you exercise the body, the, the stronger you eventually become, the, the fitter you become. Giving is the same way. We exercise in order to excel. And when we do, we learn how to give strategically. We learn how to give lovingly. We learn how to give with God's glory in mind. But we also learn to give with joy. Used to, in the old days, we taught people to have what we called mad money. Have you, have you ever heard that? You build a budget, and then you have so much mad money, and my wife doesn't have to tell me how she spent her mad money, and I don't have to tell her how I spent my mad money. And by the way, I do get an allowance, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm kind of glad of that. That keeps us out of poverty because I get an allowance. But I get allowance, but one day I was sitting right over here, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to take your mad money that you've been saving and make it glad money. And when he said that, my heart sank. <laughs> because I had something I wanted, but the Lord said, I want you to make it glad money and give it to missions this morning. You see, that's when your heart is being stretched and your heart is being exercised. That suddenly it's not about you any longer Worship is really about glorifying Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.11. He says, yes, you will be rich, enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And that's where this whole idea of glad money came from. And I've never read that in any other money book or money management book, but that, that's what our offerings are. That's what our tithes are. That's what our missions gifts are. We give to glorify God, and then those people that benefit, whether it's through the gospel or whether it's through health care or whether it's through education, whether it's through the feeding of children we do, they give glory to God. They have been made glad because you and I have exercised and excelled and learned how to give. Does that make sense? And so just as we give God thanks in everything, and just as we do everything without complaining, Paul says you will be enriched in every way. How many of you know that God tells the truth every time? And we can trust this word. So never, here's your next exercise to do. 
And this is a high-intensity exercise. Never ignore an opportunity to give. Never give out of pressure. Never give because somebody's manipulating you. Never give because somebody is just trying to yank your chain. But never ignore an opportunity that the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart about because you will find that God gives back to you, pressed down and shaking together. And when you even give more than you think you can afford, you'll find that God will give you more than you ever dreamed. Let me just read you a couple of verses here real quickly and then we'll move on. In Psalms 116 and verse 17, David says, I will give you an offering just to show my thanks to you. I will give you an offering. We all want God to do something for us. But when's the last time we just said, Lord, I just want to give to say thank you. 2 Corinthians 9, 12, so two good things will happen as a result of your gifts. Those in need are helped and they overflow with thanks to God. And the fourth habit that I want to develop is I want to give God thanks in the times that I choose. Now, I know that we've already read all the time, but bear with me for just a second. The times that I choose, that wonderful little chorus that Becky and them sang at the end, thank you, Lord, I just want to thank you. There's another verse to that that Andre Crouch wrote, and he said, there were 10 men in the Bible days that had been sick so very long goes on to tell the story of how God touched them, but only one of them returned to say, I just want to take a little time right now and say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Let me, read, let me quote that to you again. I just want to take a little time right now to say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. What are those times that you have chosen to thank the Lord? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Circle that phrase, all circumstances. Sometimes I have to struggle to be thankful. Sometimes I have to be struggle to say, God, thank you for these challenges that have come in my life. But I've learned to say thank you for every challenge that comes in my life. If you'll let me go back to the beginning of this message, because I have learned what David taught me in the Psalms, what the Holy Spirit has helped me to see, that it can take my losses, my disappointments, my pains, my hurt, my sorrows. If I take them to the Lord and I'm honest with him about him, I'm honest about how I feel, but I trust you, Lord, and I turn those moments into praise and worship and thanksgiving. God builds the character. God provides the opportunity. God opens the door for ministry. Nothing is impossible to the people who are truly thankful to the Lord. Can we give him a hand of praise for that tonight? Nothing is impossible. Challenges have helped me to grow and grow closer to the Lord. So here's your exercise for this point. Learn to thank God in good times, just like the leper did. I just want to take a little time. Learn to thank God in the bad times. I guess because I've been spending so much time with some Jewish folks lately, they have the best stories I've ever heard. They have stories that just really are so funny. Rabbi told a story about a man who was living in a house with nine other men. And the man came to him as a rabbi, and he says, I am so aggravated. I am so tired. He said, do you know how bad it is to live in a house with nine other men? Rabbi, what can I do? And the rabbi, rabbi told him, he says, go buy a goat and take it into your home with you. 
and then come back to see me in a month. And so in a month, the man came back, and he says, how's it going with the goat? He said, I hate that goat. That is a stinking goat. That is a mean goat. It's the worst goat I've ever seen. The rabbi says, kill the goat, have a barbecue. Come back and see me in two weeks. And the man came back in two weeks, and he says, how's it going? He says, rabbi, life has never been better. My friends and I, we are really enjoying our home. There's this thing that sometimes we don't understand, the bad times, the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death that we go through. God brings us through that time so that we learn that God is always with us. And yes, life is better without a goat, in my opinion. But when you've got to face a goat or two, then face him with the confidence that he will never leave you or forsake you. I've spent a lot of times and spent a lot of time in a series of messages that I did, to you on, did for you on habits, but if you remember, we talked about triggers, how we set certain things in our life and they become triggers for us to, to worship, triggers for us to check on our neighbors, triggers for us to establish those good habits for productivity in our life, triggers for building our marriages, those little things that prompt us to do the right thing. And so those triggers then help us build good habits. So a trigger tonight that I'd like to talk to you about, maybe for just a moment, is set an alarm on your phone. Set an alarm on your phone for a specific time when you want to rise and give God thanks. Becky taught me this when for a year at this church, we set our alarms at noon every day. And we prayed for women who were being trafficked. We found out what was going on because this 12 o'clock noontime prayer, and wherever Becky was, whatever meeting she was in, whoever she was meeting with, if she was doing taxes for a client, that alarm went off on her phone. She said, I'm sorry, but I stop every day at noon and I pray for women and children who are victims of human trafficking. If you would like to join me in prayer, but I'm going to pray quietly for a minute. It was amazing how many people would join Becky in prayer, and then they tell us, I'm setting an alarm on my phone to do the same thing. So why don't you take your phone right now and just set an alarm. David said, I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. I am not going to get up at midnight and do this. I don't think the principle here is that get up at midnight. But I've set an alarm on my phone for certain times in the day just to say, thank you, Lord. Choose a specific time. I want to take a little time right now and say, thank you, Lord. And then finally tonight, I want to set a good habit by the prayers that I pray. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Would you stop right there? Pray for all people. That includes people I don't like. That includes people you don't like. Now look at me. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I want you to look me right here in the eye real quickly because, friends, I have found I can love people without liking people. Have you found that to be true? I can love them. There are people that I love that they're just not likable. Do you know anybody? Don't put your hands up. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe you're sitting next to them tonight. <laughs> but I can love them, and they're not likable. 
And so the Bible tells me to pray for them, but let's go on with the verse. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf, and I wish this wasn't there, but it is, and give thanks for them. I don't want to give thanks for that fat hit. I don't want to give thanks for those people that are unlikable, but yet this is what God tells me I'm supposed to do. I am to pray for all people. I'm to ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for all kings. If Democrats would do that for Republicans and Republicans would do that for Democrats, I bet we could reduce the Thanksgiving gap that we talked about Sunday morning. Can you say amen to that? I believe if we could get together at our Thanksgiving dinners and, and not allow people to talk about certain things, we could reduce that Thanksgiving gap that tends to divide us because we begin to tell people specifically, we might have to search, we might have to look hard, we might have to say why, but why am I thankful for this person? Pray this way for all kings and for those in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives Mark my godliness and dignity. Many, many years ago, I learned I don't have to be agreeing with everybody to be thankful for them. I don't have to agree with their politics. I don't have to agree with their theology. I don't have to agree with some of their stances. But I can still be thankful for them. Does that make sense? To be thankful for somebody doesn't mean that we're just alike. To be thankful for people that I seldom see but have a huge influence in my life. So I want you to stand with me right now. And we're going to do an exercise of thanksgiving and prayer this evening. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and just close your eyes. And just let me lead you just in a time of prayer for just a moment. Father, I pray enlarge our hearts. I'm just being honest with you, Lord. I want a big heart. I want a Jesus-filled heart. I want a heart so full of Christ that, Lord, I'm thankful truly for all people, people made in your image. So right now, Father, I ask you to help us to thank you for someone that we may not even like. We love them, but we don't like them. Would you do that right now? Just quietly call their name out to the Lord. And try to think of a reason you could be thankful for them. And if you can't think of one right now, ask the Lord to help you discover that reason. Now, would you thank the Lord for somebody that helps you, serves you, or you help them or serve them? Would you just take a moment right now and give God thanks for them and pray for them? <laughs> now, give God a reason for why you're thanking them. They do their work well. They help you get your job done. Or they've employed you. Hallelujah. Now would you choose this time right now just to say, God, I want to thank you for the gifts you've given me.
the gifts of family, of marriage, love, children, grandchildren, neighbors. We talked about those benefits Sunday morning. God put all that we needed on this planet before He ever created us. The gifts of life and air and minerals and water and plants and animals, soil, everything we needed, God prepared for us. And if God has ever answered a prayer in your life, maybe it's not as dramatic as the leper that returned to the Lord. Would you thank Him right now for that miracle that He did in your life? Hallelujah. Now would you thank Him for songs that He gives us? I can't imagine a world without music. I can't imagine a world without singing. I can't imagine a worship service without being able to come and sing and magnify the Lord. So giving thanks for the book of Psalms, giving thanks for the hymns, giving thanks for the contemporary courses, giving thanks for the musicians, giving thanks for stringed instruments and cymbals and drums, Give him thanks for woodwinds and trumpets. Bless his name tonight. And then ask him right now, say, Lord, would you help me? When that void begins to come into my life and I find myself complaining and critical and negative, you, you may have a valid reason to complain. It's not that you don't have a valid reason, but rather than become bitter, you begin to fill your heart with thanksgiving and praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. To take a little time right now and say thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, while every head is still bowed and every eye closed, and if you're watching online tonight, maybe you need a fresh start with Jesus. Or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, but tonight, that's something you really want to do. Or maybe you're kind of convicted 
Like sometimes the scriptures convict me because I'm not as grateful as I ought to be. I'm not as thankful for everyone that God's placed in my life as I should be. And if that's you and you want to commit your life to Christ, I want you to pray this too. But if that's you and there's this void that's crept into your life that's not as full of praise and worship, I want you to pray this prayer of thanksgiving with me tonight as well. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your gift of eternal life. I thank you for taking my sins to Calvary. And I thank you for rising again from the dead. And tonight, I want a fresh start with you, Jesus. I want a new life, a new heart. One that's filled with gratitude for you and for those around me. And Lord, I want that relationship to start right now. I'm saying, Jesus, I want you. I love you. I need you. And I am grateful for you. And I ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful and a happy Thanksgiving. Greet one another on your way out. Good night. Go in peace. Amen.